from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's podcast, episode 255, Star Joe's a Real Animated Hero. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Grub. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, yes, now that uh, Grub is officially a host, uh, he could just introduce himself. So. Uh, you can't see me doing a happy dance right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we're also back doing another animated episode. Uh, I looked it up, and the last time we did an animated episode was in 2018. So it is, uh, as usual, long overdue. Um, and joining us to do one of these animated episodes, uh, he believed that he was only invited anytime we did a Baltimore episode, but that is absolutely not true. Uh, I love having this guy on whenever we can, because, uh, much like John, often at times I cannot breathe, uh, from the laughter. Uh, Mr. Rock, Master Angelo, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yes. <laughs> All formal. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so two things. One is, yes, it's been long overdue to do an animated episode. We only have, after we cover, we're going to cover three episodes tonight, so we're not going to do our typical five episodes. We're, it's just, we're getting old. It's getting too long in the night when we cover five episodes. So we're going to cover three episodes. Um, but we only have seven episodes after these three to do to get through the first season. Um, so I, I really want to make it a point to get through those seven episodes this year. Um, so I want to get back to form of covering some of the things that people have always loved with this show. One of those has been the animated episodes. Uh, we're going to definitely get back to doing some of the comics. We're going to, I have some ideas for movie episodes and things like that. So we're going to get back to true to form Star Joe style episodes. So if uh, if people have been away for a while, now's the time to come back because we're bringing back old favorites. So uh, when it comes to hosts, uh, I got a lot of flack for, oh, everyone's becoming a host. Well, guess what? Here's what we're doing going forward. <laughs> Anyone that comes on who is not being interviewed uh, as a guest 
is essentially going to be helping me with the, with the hosting duties. So they're bring, being brought on to, for their expertise or their involvement in what we're going to be talking about in that episode. So, uh, Grub, you had the brilliant idea of treating it like a mask episode. And I thought of also like uh, Justice League Unlimited, where it's like in that episode, you're calling upon people for their specialties to handle that particular mission. So I, I'm not doing it for this episode, but I'm going to try to put something together audio-wise to introduce people in the future that are going to be helping with the hosting duties for that episode. So I thought it was a brilliant idea, Grub. So I'm going to totally steal it and run with it. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm okay with that. People listening don't quite remember the intro to Mask. You have the whole intro, you know, Mask Crusaders, blah, blah, blah. But they always had a bit where it would, like, you'd see everybody sitting around a table and it'd be like, you know, pick the, the agents best suited for this mission. And they would, like, pick a couple of characters that made sense. So yeah. that was just one of those things where, hey, man, that's what you need to do now. Yeah, exactly. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull uh, OU812 out of retirement and uh, see if I, I can get him to be the one selecting people for each mission. So, uh, so at least I'm going to try to do something fun with the audio for that. So, um. So, uh, we are going to be covering three episodes of the G.I. Joe animated series from back in the 80s. Uh, the three episodes that we're going to be covering are going to be uh, Trader Part 1, Trader Part 2, and The Pit of Vipers. Uh, and uh, if you want to know a place where you can find these episodes, uh, Rock, I think you're the one that kind of told me about it. So, why don't you tell people where they were like one of the best places to find these old 80s cartoons? Well, what I really love is going to Tubi. Yeah. You go to, they have so many different series on there. It'll remember where you start and where you left off. And it has, I mean, all of the G.I. Joe original Sunbows on there. They have the G1 Transformers. Uh, there's so much different stuff on there. And you can also go on YouTube because YouTube, yeah. they were, Hasbro was streaming it 24 hours a day. And, you know, I was watching it all the time. But yeah, yeah download Tubi. It's free. They have a couple ads pop up every now and then, but. It's well worth it. Yeah, I, l I love the fact that it's free. I love the fact that you can find stuff on there. The ads are weird because they don't go where the commercial breaks are. <laughs> so awesome. And the choice of what they advertise <laughs> for a children's cartoon. Uh, yeah, actually, I made a mistake. I thought we were – is it The Viper is Coming? Is that the – No. No. Oh, no. I watched one of the wrong episodes. Today. That's all right. That's all right. You can, okay. you can still follow along. <laughs> uh, yeah, because as a matter of fact, uh, you know, when I was watching the other day, the first commercial was for maxi pads. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, if you're a little kid and you want to watch Vintage G.I. Joe, hey, Mommy, what's this about? So, yeah, that choice of commercials are really not appropriate. And the, that commercial was about getting your, uh, your kid vaccinated for the uh, – that they don't give like some kind of sexually transmitted disease at like 15. Oh, and I'm like, wow, wow. We're, bring, we're bringing them up in the maturity level really, really fast. So. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this, I, I couldn't imagine what the third, what the third commercial was going to be for. Yeah. Oh but, man. Yeah. So yeah. random thing here. I was yeah. watching uh Smithsonian channel over the weekend and I'm, and I'm watching some random, like, you know, Ariel Britain or something of like the history of something to do in England. And they had a commercial for this thing called Manly Bands. Mm -hmm. And, but it was a riff on the Lord of the Rings, 
um, you know, the the nine or you know three three rings were given to the elves, but it was three rings were given to the hipsters, and then like it pans <laughs> out, and you, and you see this dude with his long hair, and it's blowing in the wind, and then like you know, and then nine rings were given to the blue collar, so you know, it's supposed to be the door. I was like, that is the most brilliant freaking commercial I've ever seen. Trying to sell rings to a guy. That's awesome. So yeah, people are getting creative. I'll say that. Oh yeah, for sure. So. um so yeah, uh, like I said, we're going to do uh, Trader Part 1 and Part 2, which is a very Dusty-centered uh, story, which is why Grub is perfect to be on this episode, because uh, huge Dusty fan. I remember years and years ago when you started talking about doing this, I was like, I want whenever you get to the Trader Part 1 and 2... <laughs> I want to be on that episode. And then you sent me a text the other day, Hey, we're going to be doing these ones. And I was like, Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, also, uh, if anyone remembers way back when, uh, when we did the last one of these episodes, uh, Robert and I finally made up a rating system for these episodes. So I'm going to go over that real quickly as far as how to, how we rate these episodes. What we'll do is what we typically do, which is, uh, I have a summary that I got from Joe Guide. I'm not going to pretend like I made it up somewhere. I pulled it right from Joe Guide. And uh, so I'll read through it. And you guys, as always, feel free to jump in at any point. If you have any commentary, any thoughts about what was happening in the scene, I will try to pause after I read, like, a, a couple sentences to give you guys an opening to talk about anything. Um, and then at the end, when we're done with the full episode, we will each we can each give our rating as far as what we thought of the episode. Um, so, uh, a, a one, uh, being the lowest rating is a fudgy. So remember from bazooka and, uh, a number two is a Duke deuce. So a, a fudgy is obviously, it's not a good episode. A Duke deuce means that it really wasn't a good episode, but there was like one or two things that made it tolerable. A couple things that you liked out of it. Uh, number three is a Cobra command. That's a, a solid episode. Like, it, it might not be the most memorable thing. There's probably some flaws in it. But you enjoyed it. You'd watch it again if it was on. Uh, and Ace uh, is is the four out of five. And much like Ace himself, he's an awesome pilot. But he does crash a lot of planes. So there was probably something in the episode that kind of crashed it for you. But it's still probably one of the better episodes of Joe out there. Really, really liked it. There was just maybe one little thing in it that just didn't go right. Uh, and then uh, number five is a flint, of course, because it's the perfect specimen of a Joe episode. So, um, like Robert and I said the last time when we did this and came up with this rating system, it's it's our show. We give the ratings. We make them up. If you don't like flint being number uh, five out of five, then you can make your own G.I. Joe podcast and give your own five out of five rating. So, uh <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, we'll go ahead right into uh, Trader Part 1. This was actually written by Buzz Dixon, who did a lot of the Joe episodes. Uh, so much to this may of a cargo ship captain, a tanker plunges head-on into the side of his ship. On the attacking ship, a wall is cut down by lasers so Cobra troops can board the cargo ship and s- steal barrels labeled Diclon 98, uh, Tomax and Zaymite are ordered by Cobra Commander to seal the perimeter so they take to the sky in Cobra Trouble Bubbles, however the Joes attack. And right off, I was 
flabbergasted by the fact of them having to blast like the the laser cut door down and every like it just seemed very weird to me. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I I was the same thing. I was like, why did they do that? Why didn't they just open a door? Right. <laughs> you know, and then the fact that the Joes are literally sitting in garages right right on the right on the docks next to the other ship. Right. Like knowing that they're going to attack, I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> Um, as the Mauler rolls out of a warehouse, Duke tells Dusty that they now have to, uh, get to find out, uh, they get to find out if the new armor can withstand Cobra's attacks. Bombs from Cobra Rattler strike Duke and Dusty's Mauler, and Cobra Commander laughs and boasts about the superiority of Cobra's firepower. Uh, but the Mauler survives and it rolls forward, uh, with Gung Ho and an Armadillo and another Mauler to push back Cobra's forces. Uh, Cobra Commander climbs down a ladder and escapes from the old tanker via Cobra Hydrofoil. Zamot lands his trouble bubble on the hydrofoil after Tomax lets go of his feet and walk, walks out of the way. Pounding the controls of his hydrofoil, Cobra Commander demands to know how the Joes were able to deflect Cobra's laser. Tomax and Zamot can only assume that the Joes have concocted an armored treatment, and Cobra Commander orders the Crimson Guard commanders to obtain the formula any or all cost. And once again, I believe it was at this point in it that we once again get to see how Tomax and Zaymot are the most ineffective people in a battle because like one of them got hit and the other one felt it. One of them got thrown into like a pile of something. Yeah. I will never understand that. Um, as Grunt and Roadblock help lead, lead the Cobra prisoners away, Duke tells Dusty that the only pa- that only the paperwork is left. Dusty then asks Duke for some time off to help take care of his mom. But before Dusty can finish his request, Duke cuts him off and asks, "Why didn't you tell me that, kid? Go home and take care of her. That's an order, and take as much time as you need." Dusty thanks Duke and drives up to his mother's home. Uh, entering the house, Dusty greets his mom, hugs her, and asks how she is doing. She coughs several times and says her asthma is bothering her only slightly. A housekeeper enters the room, and she tells Dusty that his mother takes uh, makes her keep a scrapbook of all his adventures. Dusty happily says hello to Miss Vasquez, who also tells that uh, tells him that he's quite the hero. And the ever humble Dusty explains that he's simply a part of the team that works together. Okay. First of all, Dusty's mom, she must shop at the same store as the uh, Emperor's Imperial Dignitary, because they both got that same purple robe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I love how the maid is basically Spanish Lady J. Oh, yeah. Big she's time. got the frizzy hair. She's got, a, you know, the, the way the shirt was cut. Yes. It was just, I was like, and he probably was even voiced by the same person as well. Probably. Um, and that's one thing I noticed, I, I noticed in like one of the later episodes, I'm like, like the voices for things just started popping out at me. I'm like, oh, that's that character. And that's this yep. character. <laughs> Speaking of voices, man, Dusty's from Vegas. Okay. <laughs> he is not a West Texas fucking like cowboy. And I never understood like the accent. Uh, yeah. I never had you know? either. I mean, maybe he might have a slight, Slight one, but his mom doesn't have any of it. Like, usually you're picking that up from your family. But I'm like, why does his accent sound like that? And let me tell you something. As somebody who's had asthma diagnosed since I was 10, yeah, that lady ain't got asthma. No. <laughs> she got, like, COPD or emphysema. <laughs> or 
<laughs> I mean, that is like she is extreme asthma. Like, I don't yeah. think you know what this is, but if you got to go around with an oxygen tank all day, that's not asthma. No, that's not asthma. <laughs> I know I had it. I had allergy related asthma in my teens and everything else. And um, yeah, it's that's not asthma. That's that's like you're on death's door. <laughs> She's I'm surprised. I'm surprised I didn't wheel her out in the iron lung. <laughs> My first thought was that she's like Aunt May, like uh, in the early days of Aunt May for Spider-Man, where it was like she was always sickly. She was always like on the verge of death. Like, that's how I pictured her. So um, the, I wonder, too, like, because uh, I, I really like the fact that they actually used Dusty's real name in this because they don't do that often in the Joe cartoon. Well, they um, only used his first name like once, but they yeah. kept calling him Dusty Rudat. Right. You know, Rudat being his last name. Right. But in this like, episode, in the next episode, they use it a little bit more. Um, but, uh, but the thing is with Rudad, I wonder if that's why they went with like the southern sound, that southern twang, because the, the, the last name just kind of sounds like something like that. I don't know. But I think they just did it just to differentiate himself from, you know, because Neil Ross is doing like half the voices. That's true. <laughs> um, so there's a knock at the door and Dusty opens the door to find Mr. Smiler. Uh, a creditor who tells Dusty that uh, since he heard that Dusty was back in town, he has come to remind him that he still owes money for the medication and therapy. Miss Vasquez tries to calm Dusty's mom, uh, who's Gladys, but as uh, Dusty asks Mr. Smiler to give his mother more time, she stands up and tells Mr. Smiler that she is on her feet. However, she faints and Dusty quickly carries his mother to the bed and then marches out grabs Mr. Smiler by the shirt, pulls his fist back, and asks the creditor why he shouldn't clean his clock. He totally reminded me of Barnaby from March of the Wooden Soldiers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's what I, that's yeah. what I figured that they got the the reference from. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I like uh, one of the references coming up, uh, or like little puns that they had coming up. Uh, so, raising his hand in defense, Mr. Smiler tells Dusty that he can uh, help him. Two admirers of the Joes entered his office and offered to help him out. Dusty tosses the creditor back and visits the rendezvous point mentioned by Mr. Smiler, which is the Stumble Inn, which didn't click in my head until I actually read it, and I was like, oh, it's a bar, and it's called the Stumble Inn. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as Dusty waits for the Joe admirers to enter a bar, a waitress asks if he would like anything to drink. Dusty uh, stumbles on uh, out uh, stumbles out that he's just waiting for someone and the waitress winks at Dusty and tells him, well, if she doesn't show up, let me know, handsome. And I f forget because I didn't write it down when I was watching it, but that was the voice of somebody else, one of the other female Joes or something, the waitress. I didn't catch who it was at the time. I don't know if either of you guys caught who it was. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Lady J, you know what I mean? Like, That's what I think it was. I, I couldn't remember, because I watched it a couple days ago, and I, when I had all this, you know, to print out and everything else, I was reading it, and I go, I go, crap, who the hell was that voice? <laughs> I really only had, like, three or four female voice right. actresses in this show, so. Yeah. Uh, so, Tomax and Zaymot, wearing business suits, approach Dusty and say hello. Uh, Dusty recognizes them and states that they are with Extensive Enterprises. Uh, and Tomac says, no, we are, and Zaymot says, extensive, we are extensive enterprises. Uh, Dusty says, look, I don't want any, uh, talk with, uh, to creeps who do business with Cobra. And Zaymot puts a gun in his, uh, 
holds a gun to his ribs under the table and says, uh, don't you think your mother has enough medical bills? Why burden her with funeral expenses as well? Uh, Tomax and Zamat then offer Dusty a pro- uh, proposition in which extensive enterprises will pay for all the medical bills for Dusty's mother in exchange for information of the new armor treatment. After slipping a business card into his pocket, Tomax and, and his brother Zamat are kicked out of the way as soon as Dusty knocks over a table, exclaiming that he will never be a traitor. A bar fight erupts, and Zamat kicks an angry pool player and leaves with Zamat, uh, leaves with T- uh, Tomax while Dusty continues to defend himself. Which this had one of the weirdest cartoony, like the old guy that jumps in front of the screen. The guy missing the teeth? Yes. <laughs> Cracked me up. Oh my god, he looked like uh, the stereotypical like gold miner guy that that hasn't been around people for too long. <laughs> what I love is, is a, sorry. Oh, that's a, oh, sorry. What, what I love is how they found the bar from the Blues Brothers, oh. where they play both types of music, country and western. <laughs> well, it, that that bar fight scene is like every like trope of any western you've ever seen. Oh yeah, it, it turns into Roadhouse, and then I wrote down in my notes is uh, I love how the waitress takes off her shoe. And she's beaten one of the guys that yes. Khrushchev did at that yes. meeting when he took his shoe off and he was like pounding it on the table. Like that's what she was doing to the guy. Yeah. Like oh, where yeah. did she get this random shoe from? <laughs> I was afraid like, she was taking her heels off and like spiking the guy in his head. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dress shoe. She's like beating the guy in the head where everybody's in there in the cowboy boot, so it wasn't like she was hitting him with a boot. She had like this dress shoe she got. Well, and was like <laughs> a scene like this would never fly in a cartoon show for kids today. Well, but, and also every single one of those people in there is probably the regulars. Oh yeah, you know, like <laughs> who, who's going to that place other than anybody that lives in the area? Right. Well, we'll talk about stuff that wouldn't fly. Wait till we get to the next episode. Well, Spoilers. yeah, yeah. There's so much inappropriate. <laughs> there was so much stuff I saw in that episode that I was like, wow, <laughs> this would not happen today. Yeah. So, uh, Dusty returns home with a black eye, which alarms Miss Vasquez, who explains that his mother is better, but still needs medication and therapy. Dusty laments and promises to find the money somehow. He returns to headquarters and learns from Duke and Flint that the computer has analyzed the recent Cobra attacks and concluded that Cobra is trying to create a mind control gas, and the Daikon 98 in the Texas City chemical plant was the last component. Uh, Breaker, Rock and Roll, Stalker, Cover Girl, Ripcord, Wild Bill, Grunt, Gung Ho, Listen to Duke, and Flint uh, also add that they have located the next target on Cobra's shopping list and that the information is top secret. Shipwreck jabs Dusty in the arm and jokes that he was simply uh, going to walk over and offer the information to Cobra. But Dusty ignores his friend and thumbs the extensive Enterprises card in his hand. I thought it was funny how uh, Dusty looked like Dalton from Roadhouse. Also, he was kind of beat up. Pain don't hurt. Only pain hurts. You know, that's right. what I was waiting for, too. And the other thing, too, is um, how does everybody know that Dusty's mom got all these medical bills? Like, is he telling his business everywhere? Like, is he at the, the G.I. Joe barracks having a Yo Joe Cobra and be like, oh, boy. You won't believe this stuff. I got medical bills out the wazoo. Well, like, how does everybody know? Well, it's amazing because I feel like a lot of the Joes didn't know, but somehow yeah, Tomex and Zaymot did know. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't recall them, anybody knowing until uh, 
Flint says something about it to Shipwreck, and they're like, right. oh, well, we didn't, you know. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you know, Roblox got bad credit, too. You know? <laughs> you're like, what the hell? <laughs> hey, the, everything's declassified in Joe, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, at a gas station, Dusty calls the phone number on Extensive Enterprises' business card, and the Crimson Guard commanders answer the phone. And Dusty explains that he wants to make a deal. Information on Joe's next ambush. Uh, Tomax and Zamot tell Dusty that if the information is good, then they will send a check out to his mother. Um, the Joes wait uh, in the bush- in the bushes around a chemical plant, and they watch Cobra paratroopers parachute into the trees. Uh, surprised by Cobra's stupidity, the Joes run forward, uh, and the Cobras begin to uh, to crawl on the ground when they are uh, under fire. Uh, Scarlet, Alpine, Blowtorch, Gung-Ho, Lady J, Snake Eyes, Roadblock, Shipwreck, and Dusty follow Duke on the ground. However, Shipwreck stands up to rush toward the Cobras, uh, despite Dusty's warning. A Cobra Trooper falls out of the, uh, out of the tree and surprises Shipwreck, but he quickly punches the Cobra and sparks fly out of the paratrooper's face. It's like Doombots for, from Dr. Doom. They just, they're very elaborate mannequins. Um, as the other Joes attack the Cobras, they quickly realize that they, uh, that the paratroopers are dummies. No Duke says, we're the dummies, suckered by dolls firing lasers. As Cobra transport helicopters fly away, tankers of the Diclon 98, Shipwreck throws his gun down in anger, while Duke believes that there must be an insider, uh, inside source working for Cobra since the Joes strategy was too well planned. It was kind of amazing. Well, number one, they didn't hear this whole fleet of helicopters come <laughs> flying in. And number two, it's like, man, Joes are some sore losers. They lose one battle, and right away, there's got to be a traitor. Oh, well, that's the thing. finally won. That's the thing I would get, like, like, oh, this was way, well too, way too well planned out. They must have, we must have had an insider. I'm like, what was well planned out? You had a bunch of troopers around the, around the base. <laughs> There's nothing planned about that. It's just, a, it's called stationed. <laughs> and how about, like, I was thinking about what the name of the gas was. Like, in World War II, they used Zyklon B. So I'm like, wow, it's kind of similar name oh. of the gas. Like, yeah. Oh, I was kind of like, that was a little weird, too. Yeah. You know? I never looked up to see if, like, that actually had any type of uh, real world, um, like, counterparts or anything like that. But the, even the thought of a mind control gas, I'm like, all right, a mind control gas? Like, that's a little weird. Like, laughing gas or knockout gas, but now a mind control gas. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, that's, it, that's at least, I will say, like, that's, like, when we talked about earlier episodes, like, of Joe, like, something like that at least still falls in line with the sci-fi aspects of Joe. Like, I can, I can suspend some disbelief there. There's definitely some things later I can't disbelieve. Oh, man, I know okay, let's go to that part. I wrote down quite a few things coming yeah, up. Yeah, so we'll be getting to some of the things that get a bit more ridiculous. So, um, so as CoverGirl, Snowjob, Grunt, and several other Joes turn in their weapons, Lady J watches Shipwreck pound a fist in the wall and listens to him promise to send the traitor down 20 fathoms into the sea. As he encounters Dusty on the steps of the building, Shipwreck asks him how he would punish the traitor. However, Dusty's mind is a million miles away. 
Uh, Flint enters Duke's darkened office, closes the door, and learns that Duke has discovered from an unnamed source the identity of the traitor, Dusty Rudat. In order to gather proof that Dusty is the traitor, Duke and Flint allow Dusty to learn of an attack on Cobra Base in Gulf of Mexico, which looks like an abandoned oil rig, by, uh, by ordering him to move some crates in the war room. Dusty returns to the pay uh, phone outside the Joe base and calls Miss Vasquez, who informs Dusty that the check was a big help. However, more bills continue to pour in. Dusty sighs and tells her that he will try to help. Pulling out the business card for extensive enterprises, Dusty calls the Crimson Guard commanders, who are balancing on their desks on their head on the tabletop. <laughs> we're just going to pause. Yoga, man. Yeah, Early we're going to pause there for a second. <laughs> it's just yoga. But they, they, they were, like, on just on their head. It wasn't even like their hands were hold, keeping them up or anything. Like, they were just on their heads, on their desks, in their business suits, mind you. It's TXY. Tomax <laughs> Zaymat Yoga. Before, D, before DDP had his own kind of yoga. Man yoga. Like, as soon as they went to that scene, I go, what the hell? Like, I really, because I was watching it on Tubi, I was like, did this thing, like, flip upside down by accident? <laughs> That was one thing I noticed quite a few episodes, some coloration uh, oh, things yeah. where characters yeah. go from one color to another, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, that happens a lot in the next episode. <laughs> yeah, the next episode, there's, there, yes. there's a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of that. Um, so, let's see. Uh, <laughs> See, uh, looking where I left off. Uh, when uh, they hear Dusty's voice, they flip off the desk, connect uh, him to Cobra Commander, and listen to Cobra leaders uh, threaten him to get the secret armor formula, or else Dusty will be exposed as a traitor, which would worsen his mother's condition. Uh, while Duke listens to Flint's disbelief that Dusty is a traitor, uh, Deep Six radios that the oil rig looked abandoned and dives underwater in the shark and tells the others, Yo, Joe, or words to that effect. Uh, that seemed really weird for him to say that too, to say it that way. Cause it's like, are you not a Joe? Like, <laughs> like I felt like that was just instinct that you're supposed to always say yo Joe, but he was just kind of like, yeah, yo Joe or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, he radios Duke that the Cobra submarines are not present. Uh, the Joe's trans, uh, transportable tactical battle platform is dropped in the water and the Joes parachute and swim to the Cobra base in order to examine the remains. I love how uh, when Shipwreck is walking around, he's been salty this whole episode. Yeah. He's got a real bug up his ass. <laughs> and he picks up the Cobra handbook. He's like, and look at this, Duke. Man, they got even got medical now, too. <laughs> it's like, really? What, like, you don't think you're G.I. Joe? You don't have a pension? And you don't have sick time and everything else? I, well, he, I couldn't he, believe that. He almost said it as if he was considering maybe joining Cobra because they have a medical plan. <laughs> but wasn't in the first episode where you find Shipwreck, wasn't he in a bar with all the Cobra soldiers? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, I always thought he was part, was Cobra at one time. Yeah. In, in, the, in the Sunbow kind of world. Well, they definitely went with this whole, like, weird transition with him where it was like he was this outsider person. He wasn't like military or anything like that. He was, he was just somebody that helped them on a mission. Uh, and he didn't really, he was really the outsider. He really didn't want to help them. And nowadays in, in these episodes, he's like full fledged Yojo, like as if he's always been with the team from the beginning. 
And yeah, he just wants to punch everybody in the face. Right. But there was no Polly, or was I wrong? No, there was no Polly. No Polly in this thank, episode. Thank the Lord for right. that one. <laughs> um, the one thing that kind of threw me off with this, again, like, how much belief can you suspend, is how they brought in the battle platform. That's a big-ass thing. <laughs> and, well, you know, that's just toy marketing, just like right. the hydrofoil. Oh, yeah. That's... That what, had to be the first time the hydrofoil was seen. Was it? How, was there more? There was more than one helicopter that brought that in, though, right? Yeah, it was. It was being towed by like two or three of them. Okay, because um, I'm just like, the same thing is like now you're going to parachute all these guys into the ocean, right? Why don't you just bring a bunch of whales? Right. Yeah, and I love the battle platform. I had that as a kid. That was like that was my Joe base because I didn't I didn't have the uh, the Joe base itself uh, headquarters, but like. It was an awesome thing, but yeah, when I saw it in this, I was like, "That's a weird thing to just bring in." Like, I and I get it, it's because for toys, but I was still like this. merchandising, merchandising yeah, for sure. <laughs> Star Wars, the battle platform. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get those toy commercials in there somehow, subliminally. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so shipwreck uh, Duke and several other Joes enter the barracks of the base, and shipwreck learns that Cobra has a medical plan, like you were mentioning, Rock. <laughs> Uh, after picking up a, a copy of Cobra magazine, didn't it say like Cobra Life or something like that? It was a riff on Boy's Life. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, but Duke pulls the magazine out of Shipwreck's hands and tells him to search the lower uh, levels of the base. Deep Six and Shipwreck enter a dark room, so Shipwreck uh, flips the light switch on, but the switch activates a spark that leads to a patch of explosives on the ceiling of a room filled with explosives. And it, was it just me, or did that did that spark change position like three or four times in as the scenes changed? Like it was like really low at one point, then it was really close to the explosives, then it was really low again. That's a good old animation, right? <laughs> hey, they needed to build that suspense. They couldn't have it explode just yet. Hey, but at least it was a nice Not trap by Cobra. Oh yeah, until after the commercial break, could it explode? Right. <laughs> Uh, they run out of the room and warn the others that the place is about to blow up. The Joes dive out, uh, dive over the side of the oil rig and swim for the, uh, to the battle platform. And Spirit and Flint learn from Gung Ho that Duke was struck by debris and fell into the water. Also, Shipwreck and Deep Six went underwater to find him. The oil rig collapses into the sea, but Shipwreck and Deep Six are able to drag Duke to the shark and fly the Joes, uh, transport, uh, transportable platform. Uh, the Joes cheer, however, their mirth is short-lived since Duke reveals that Dusty gave the plans to Cobra before Duke himself loses consciousness and goes into a coma. <laughs> Dude, Shipwreck had lungs of steel. <laughs> they would have been so deep, and they were underwater for so long. It's like, man, I don't even think Navy SEALs can handle, can, no. can deal with that kind of, that kind of situation. I mean, it was like, <laughs> holy shit. And, and what about how his hat stayed perfectly on, even though he was walking around the sea bottom floor? <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it never moved. No, no. And the other thing, too, is when they brought up Duke, is that the first time you've actually seen blood in a G.I. Joe episode? He had a little trickle of blood yeah. by, by like his forehead. Yeah, I don't know if it was the first time, but it's it's really rare that, that right. you ever see that. Yeah. Um, again, something that would not fly in a cartoon today. <laughs> Um, I just, like I said, I personally got a little laugh because Duke going into a coma, I, I immediately went to the G.I. Joe movie right away. I was like, like, this guy just, he's either getting captured or he's going into comas. It's one of the two. 
Well, at least he didn't get captured this time. That's true. <laughs> uh, Dusty, who is rummaging through a, uh, a lab and taking snapshot, encounters Shipwreck's fist. After uh, beating back Shipwreck, he knocks the uh, Joe out with a chair, uh, retrieves the Cobra spy camera, and pulls Shipwreck out of the lab, which caught on fire due to chemicals overturning during Dusty and Shipwreck's fight, which that cracked me up, too. Shipwreck was, to your point earlier, Rock, Shipwreck was so angry and so on fire this whole episode that when a literal fire catches on behind him, he doesn't even care. He just wants to fight Dusty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had a hair up his ass, like I was saying, man. He was pissed off. <laughs> the whole base could catch on fire. He doesn't care as long as he gets to beat Dusty's ass. <laughs> Did you guys realize where that room was that Dusty was going through, though? No. It was like a shack that was outside the fence line of the pit. Oh. It wasn't even inside the pit. It wasn't inside the fence line. Because when it comes out of the the thing, they're like, you see the fence, and on the other side of the fence is the pit. So he's outside of oh, the okay. fence line. Yeah. I'm like... Why are you storing like top secret information <laughs> in a file cabinet in a shack that's not even inside your base? Yeah. <laughs> and then just know. steal a mauler and drive away. <laughs> yep. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, so Flint, uh, Spirit, Roadblock run, uh, run up. To a groggy shipwreck who explains that Dusty was after the secret uh, armor formula. However, Lady J is flying a helicopter overhead. She follows Dusty as he crash, uh, crashes through a chain link fence and attempts to escape in a mauler. But uh, three missiles from Lady J's dragonfly cause the tank to turn onto its side. The Joes quickly surround Dusty's mauler with sluggers, vamps, and armadillo tanks, and Dusty is captured. Lucky he didn't die. Uh, Cutter, Footloose, Clutch, and several Joes in a courtroom listen to Flint state that Dusty has been silent during the entire trial, and that if he has anything to say, now is the time, but Dusty sh- uh, shakes his head and explains that he has nothing to say in defense, and he hangs uh, and he hangs his head low be- uh, because he has given aid to Cobra, thus endangering his fellow Joes and jeopardizing the security of the United States. Flint tells Dusty that he has been found guilty of treason and is sentenced to hard labor for life at Fort Wadsworth Military Prison. And I, I realize it's a cartoon, and they probably couldn't do this, but isn't the penalty for treason death? Uh, it depends on... Uh, I mean, on some levels, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, would, I would think in it, this it case, can, probably. It, it, can be, it can be, but most of the time when it's treason, what they'll do is... Like, in a case like this, they'll probably just send him to prison, you know, hard okay. labor for life, basically. Okay. Um, but you you got this, the Fort Wadsworth significance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the comic being the Fort Wadsworth. Uh, I was like, oh, that's a nice little little tribute I didn't expect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Tomex and Zamot inform Cobra Commander that, the, that Dusty has been sentenced, and Cobra Commander reacts un- unconcerned but then changes his mind when he realized that Dusty could be useful to Cobra, and he laughs and tells the Crimson Guard commanders that they should help the poor fellow. Uh, Dusty is led out of the uh, shack in iron shackles, and as he walks past his ex-teammates, Lady J wonders what point uh, Deep Six is uh, dancing around as, as she explains that she can't believe Dusty is a traitor. Deep Six tells her that the entire situation is too simple since a a uh, real traitor wouldn't be so easy to catch. Uh, Snake Eyes, Stalker, Spirit, Rock and Roll, Torpedo, Grunt, Scarlet, Roadblock, Clutch, uh, Ace, 
uh, Alpine, Breaker, Snow Job, Wild Bill, Short Fuse, Steeler, and Mutt watch as Gung Ho leads Dusty onto a bus. Uh, but Cobra Fangs appear and destroy the guard tower. One of the Fangs blows a hole in the roof of Dusty's prison transport bus, and two Cobra agents pull Dusty out of the bus and into Cobra uh, Cobra transport helicopter. The Joes try to stop the escape. However, the Fangs uh, provide enough cover fire to allow the transport with Dusty to escape into the air, and the Joes stand there stupefied and watch Dusty fly away with Cobra. And thus ends the episode. So what'd you guys think overall for, for part one? Like just overall thoughts. You don't have to rate it yet. Just overall thoughts. I mean, I liked it. It was a pretty good, it, you know, it was a good cartoon for a change. Like you actually see Cobra have some small victories for a change. Yeah, so. definitely. And it's not just that. It's also the fact that you see, like to me, it was there's, there's like, you see so many characters. Yeah. Even if they're just there. Yeah. Um, because now I feel like you would see like the same like five freaking guys over and over again. But also you see something about, you know, you actually learn something about one of these characters. Yeah. You know, you see something outside of, you know, the the Joe life, as it were. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I like the fact that uh, you get to kind of dig deeper into this character. Like now, you know, he has a mother. She's sickly. There's a you know a housekeeper that's taking care of his mom. Like you get to see a personal life with him. Uh, but then, like you said, which I didn't even think about until you said it, was that you're seeing all these Joes, which makes sense because you're at the Joe base. Like, you should see a lot of different Joes, just even though they're just in the background, don't actually have a scene or a part or anything like that in it. So, I think I noticed how many Joes there were because this is one of the main problems I have currently with Hasbro with the toys they're putting out. Is every time somebody puts something out, you see... Duke, Roadblock, Scarlet, Snake Eyes, Cobra Commander, Destro, Baroness. Right. And it's like the same guys over, and occasionally you'll see somebody else. And it's like, man, it's really refreshing to see, you know, Short Fuse and Steeler in the background. It's like, right. I mean, come on. Right. Well, that's why I'm looking forward to, it seems like it should happen now with the classified line being as successful. It is like, we should be getting some characters like Chuckles and like stuff like that where you normally don't see characters like that. I mean, I, I, I am hoping for a Dusty character uh, figure to come out because that was one of my favorite figures growing up. So um, I would just like to see any of those characters in the wild. That's I've true. That's so, seen that's one so just trying to say, if you could actually find them. Right. <laughs> in my com- The comic shop I go to has a bunch of them, but it's the, the repaints. Oh. But it's not like I'm going to Target and, and literally finding any. I mean, literally, I found one gung ho an hour and a half away from where I live. That's it. I haven't, yeah. that's, I haven't seen nothing else. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, how would you guys rate this, Rock? Uh, what what kind of rating would you give this this episode? I would give it an ace, four okay. out of five. Okay. And yeah, I'm the same. Yep. Uh, I give it a four. That's that's what I would do too. Like it. It had a lot of really good things. It had just a couple of things that made me go, what the hell, but nothing that took away from me enjoying this episode. Like, this is definitely one of those episodes I would be happy to watch quite a few times. So, It's also this one and, and, the, and the part two are some of the ones that have stuck with me the best over the years. Yeah. Along with, like, Worlds Without End yeah. has stuck with me because that one was so radically out there. Yeah. Um, because it isn't – it's not – a piece of shit. It's like some right. of the episodes you're like, 
Yeah. Ooh, what did you guys do? <laughs> yeah, this one I didn't, uh, much like with a lot of the Joe episodes, this one I didn't remember it based on the title, but once I started watching it, I go, oh, I remember this one very well. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's very cool. All right, so going into uh, part two, uh, of course, part two is also written by Buzz Dixon. Uh, <laughs> I had to laugh at the opening of this. On an episode of television of the television series 20 Questions, um, they just have Hector Ramirez. I'm going to modify that and say a very old Hector Ramirez, like Hector Ramirez Sr. <laughs> on this one. I called him Geraldo Rivera when I was writing down notes. <laughs> that's what I wrote. I wrote fake Geraldo knows everything. Because I think that's exactly who he was supposed to be. Well, oh, yeah, man. totally. Yeah. Um, but Hector Ramirez is the, for those that don't know, he's the kind of the tie that shows that um, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Gem were all, all possibly in the same universe because he appears in all three cartoons. Um, he looks a bit different in all of them. Um, but essentially is the same guy. And yeah, he's totally, they, he's totally, uh, created as a, like a spoof of, uh, uh, Geraldo Rivera. It just cracked me up because he appeared earlier in this season completely like wasn't gray haired and everything else. I was like, shit, did the Joe experience <laughs> cause him to age or something like that? But, um, so yeah, so Hector Ramirez, uh, for 20 questions. Uh, Robert and I actually, the one night we're texting each other about that. Cause he's like, what was this guy's name? He sent me a picture. And I was like, that's Hector Ramirez. He goes, that's right. And he's like, what the hell was the show that he was on? And we were trying to find it and everything else. He finally found out that it was 20 questions. Cause he wanted to put a little nod to that in, in something he was working on, uh, related to Joe. And, and so I was like, ah, just put like two zero Q as like people will figure it out. So, um, but he wanted to put something with Hector Ramirez so people could have like a little nod back to these episodes. Um, so Hector Ramirez asks the viewer what caused Dusty Rudat, an outside, uh, an outstanding soldier on the GI Joe team to become a traitor and cause Conrad Duke Hauser to fall into a coma after the destruction of an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico. Ramirez suspects that the large number of medical bills for Dusty's mother may have compelled Dusty to betray the Joes and his country. Then Ramirez asks the most important question. What has Dusty told Cobra since his escape from the Joes? felt like that whole sequence yeah ramirez knows a lot about what happened <laughs> i mean i know he's just recapping it for, sure. for the viewer but, right right and i think it's also the first time you hear him go like you know uh does you know uh oh my god uh you know ronald dusty you know root yes. or whatever yeah, yeah like he actually uses the full name I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'll tell That's you, the, the thing I was very impressed with this, there's a little bit of of uh, scenes that were reused from the first episode, but this recap, I thought it would all be reused stuff from the previous episode, but there was actually some newly drawn scenes to do this recap, which I thought was really kind of cool. I mean, the reason why they probably did that such an in-depth recap is who knows how many kids turned on that episode Right. And missed the day before. And now, yeah. at least now they know what's going on. Yeah. Well, that's exactly why you didn't have too many two-parter episodes or, or more part, you know, multiple-part episodes was because, like, they could never, they were never sure if someone would miss an episode. So that's why they always had some type of recap. But I'm so used to the recaps being, like, previously on G.I. Joe and then them showing stuff. Uh, this was actually kind of a neat, unique way of doing a recap. And like I said, the fact that they actually created some actual new drawings 
for that recap, I thought was really kind of cool. Cause I was watching, I go, this is new art. This isn't all just rehashing what was in the last episode. Um, so I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. This is another thing I always wondered too, is because dusty, depending on like in the comics and I think on the card back, it's not, his last name's not Rudet. Mm-hmm. It's Tater, which is, it's Rudat backwards. But, yeah. But in the show, they call him Rudat, and it's like, well, you know, because it's clearly a play on Ron Rudat, but, right. you know, I always wondered if that was just, they didn't care, <laughs> or <laughs> they didn't know, or were like, okay, whatever. Okay. Or they just said they were going to do it, or maybe they just asked him, hey, would you care if we did this? And he was like, no, just go ahead and use my name that way then. So, yeah, who knows? Um, so a helicopter flies over a mountainous region and lands inside a temple with uh, with Cobra Decor. Dusty is led out of the helicopter, uh, has his blindfold removed by a Cobra agent, and is greeted by Cobra Commander, who places a hand on Dusty's shoulder and offers him a position in Cobra in, Cobra in exchange for information on the Joe's new armor treatment. Dusty Rudat, who emphasizes that he wishes he to be called simply Dusty, walks beside Cobra Commander and explains that since he has nowhere else to go, he will join Cobra. Did you guys notice the clothes he was wearing when he got out of the helicopter? No. Because during his trial, he was basically in his dress uniform. Right. The trial's over. They're, they're putting him in the, in the, and when they, uh, into the bus, he's in what we think of, you know, the desert camouflage. Right. When he gets, and when they rescue him in the helicopter, he's in the desert camouflage. When he gets off the helicopter, he's in like, in like khakis and like a blue shirt. <laughs> so they gave so him do some they have clothes. A change of clothes in the helicopter <laughs> right. for him? I didn't even pick that up. I didn't either. Wow. Maybe, maybe they were afraid he'd have like tracking. Uh, stuff in his clothing or something like that. He even had the face paint on when they picked him up. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> so clearly yeah, they yeah. had some kind of like a wet, wet naps or something <laughs> to wipe his face. Uh, tapping a few buttons on a keyboard, Lady J changes uh, a code and tells Shipwreck, who who places a stack of records near her or next to her, that she now only has six thousand four hundred thirty-seven left. Which I feel like that number must mean something. Uh, pounding a fist into his hand, Shipwreck promises to break Dusty's neck. However, Lady J reminds Shipwreck that sh- he shouldn't judge someone until he walks in that person's shoes, and the reply, and the reply makes Shipwreck not only angry, but extremely annoyed. Uh, and doesn't he say something like, they're, uh, if you're gonna say walk a, a mile in their moccasins, I'm gonna hit you, or something like that. Yeah, uh, cause that threw me, I was like, Mylan is moccasins. Who the fuck says that? <laughs> right. Mylan is shooting. Yeah, shipwrecks. Yeah. Shipwreck is backed up or something. He's got something else going on in these two issues. Very. He needs. May, to, he needs some shore leave. Maybe. Maybe it's because someone kidnapped Polly. Because we've noticed Polly's not in these episodes. So maybe. Maybe he needs some of those old Alestra chips that uh, were back in like early two thousands. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. There's some. Sad stories about those things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, Dusty is told by Cobra Commander that the armor treatment is being added to their vehicles, and because he provided the formula, Cobra Commander offers him the command of the uh, of the work detail. But the current leader, who later we find out is named Claymore, uh, objects and demands a trial by combat with Dusty in the arena to decide who will lead the detail. Uh, Cobra Commander welcomes the entertainment since the fight will demonstrate Dusty's ruthlessness. Um, I found I'm it. Getting nunchucks. Yeah. Oh my god. 
Yes, we're going to get into the rocket nunchucks. <laughs> well, here, here's something that was weird, too. This is the first time you've seen a black Cobra soldier. Yes. But he's not wearing a mask. No. That's where I was like, okay, he's going to be somebody. Right. But it was just weird, like, you know, it just seemed really out of the ordinary. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. It was very weird. It definitely, obviously, it caught my eye. Um, and especially because, like you said, he wasn't wearing a mask. If he was wearing a mask, I'd just be like, okay, there's another uh, soldier. This one just happens to be black. But the fact that he wasn't wearing a mask, like you said, I thought this is going to be somebody. And then they never name him until, like, later in the episode. No, they, yeah, said it, he, they said it, I thought, like, right off the bat. They said it about Lieutenant Claymore. Oh, I like, didn't think the so. the first time you see him in, like, the motor pool or something. Um, like, it was, I thought the... But he appeared before that. He appeared before that, before the motor pool thing, and they didn't call him Claymore until the motor pool scene. Yeah, but the fact that he's also a lieutenant, I mean, he's an officer. Yeah. Well, so. and but the thing that I found amusing was because I was like, Claymore, I was like, I swear to God, that's the name of a Joe or somebody, and of course it is. Yeah, it's the Brazilian... Uh, yeah, not the same guy. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> you know, the only other character in Cobra that has wears the helmet, but you see his face is Major Blood. Right. Yeah, that's the only other character I could think of. Yeah, so... Did, did Claymore, the, that Cobra character, ever show up in anything else again? Because I don't remember him. No, I don't think so. I tried looking him up to see if he appeared in anything else. Like, that would have been a perfect opportunity to introduce a new character. Yeah, like, or bring him into the comics or something. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> so now we get into the fun. Holding a rocket nunchucker, uh, which we never see it, what the hell it is. Like, we, we, I mean, we see what it is, but it, it never, like, what's the rocket part of it? Because <laughs> all we see is, like, that it's, like, basically, like, a big, long mace. Uh, it's, there's, I don't know where the rocket plays into it. It's more like a morning star, because, yeah. or not a morning star, but like a, because uh, it had it, it was on a chain. It wasn't. Right. Uh, it wasn't a solid, a solid hill. You know, a hill. Whatever. Yeah, it was more like, like you said, the more like the Morning Star from like the Castlevania games, where it's like yeah. the, the ball at the end of it and everything else. But I was just like, where's the rocket part? Like, I just don't. I wanted to see. I wanted to see like explosions coming off of it or something. Like that. Uh, so Dusty has told the rules of the game while in the arena. The one who lives wins. To make the game more interesting, Cobra Commander opens. Gates in the pit so that the water, so that water and piranhas fill the arena. This is the part where I started, my suspension of disbelief started leaving me. <laughs> Could it get any more tropes of the 80s? You know what I mean? Like, yes. You're fighting to the death, filling up with water, and there's piranha. I was like, oh my god. Piranha oh, was yeah. a, a oh, very... you mean it was quicksand. Yes. Like, everything in the 80s was piranhas and quicksand. Yes. I thought as an adult we would have to like, deal with it on a daily basis. <laughs> right. And there's, there's one other thing they could have done, too. Sharks with freaking lasers. Yes. <laughs> Did you guys notice all, like, in this scene, how many animation issues there were? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was, because Claymore yeah. kept switching from black to white. White, and yes. At one point, you see, like, Cobra Commander, I think, is talking, and you, you can see Dusty and Claymore down on the ground. And they're both Dusty. And then all of a sudden, Claymore switches to its two Dusties standing yes. next to each other. yes. Yeah, absolutely. That that was the thing I, I noted, and that happens throughout the whole episode. Like that, Claymore changes from black to white constantly. But yeah, that one scene, it's like you look. He's Cobra Commander, like you said, he's looking down. And there's and it's essentially there's two Dusties standing there facing off against each other. Um, but yeah, the like that was such a big deal in the '80s to have Piranha as like the 
killer fish thing. Uh, hell, even Transformers did that with the uh, in the movie. The, the Sharktacons. The Sharktacons are essentially giant piranha. <laughs> well, they were actually being Cup and Hot Rod were being attacked by them in the right. uh, the water. Yeah. Before you get to the Sharktacons. Right. <laughs> Uh, so the Cobra officer whips the chain around Dusty's feet and causes him to collapse uh, back first into the water, but Dusty climbs back to his feet after knocking the three piranha off of his arm and tackles his opponent to the ground. As the piranha munch on the meat and flesh of the Cobra officer's back, Dusty tells him, Hungry little devils, aren't they? The officer brings a foot up and kicks Dusty off his chest. Uh, Dusty grabs his weapon knocks off the piranhas, and dodges his enemy's swinging chain. Dusty then whips uh, his rocket nunchucker around his opponent's feet, tugs, and the officer falls into the water. Dusty climbs out of the piranha tank, and when he hears that the officer crying for help, he swings his chain out to the officer and pulls him, pulls him out. Uh, Cobra Commander asks Dusty why he saved the, his opponent and wonders if the Joe still has vestiges of decency in him, but Dusty replies... We can always use extra help in KP. Cobra Commander laughs and clasps Dusty's shoulder and tells him that uh, he is Cobra Commander's kind of trooper and places him in charge of, of stealing the chemicals for the Leary chemi- from the Leary Chemicals plant. Yeah, this is where I thought, you know, you finally get a black character in Cobra and he's relinquished to do kitchen duty <laughs> and then mopping the floors. It's like, come on. You can't really? do You can't do that. <laughs> no. I was like, that is if this, If that came out today, Twitter would just lose its shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I was waiting to see him, like, just do the other 80s trope where he had, like, a mountain of potatoes to peel. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Cause that is another 80s potatoes, trope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Potatoes, they would probably need to cook in a Cobra base to feed all those soldiers. Yeah. And there he would be there just peeling them. <laughs> yeah. And back then they would have done it, too. Uh, so Shipra complains to Flint that their current operation is not too sane. Uh, after all, the Joes are all over the world trying to protect potential targets. However, Flint tells Shipwreck to, uh, to cease his complaining. Shipwreck apologizes and explains that he didn't mean anything uh, by his rant. Meanwhile, uh, with a gun behind a tugboat pilot's head, Dusty tells the pilot to drive slowly and that he shouldn't try to be a hero. While the tugboat uh, drags a barge of garbage, a small fleet of Cobra water moccasins drive behind one side of the barge and cut the barge's cable after Dusty uh, believes they have passed by the Joe's potential hiding spot near the plant. Um, and I actually really like this this whole scene for the simple fact that it shows that Dusty actually knows Joe's maneuvers um, and finds a way to, like, because we know what happens later, um, he finds a way to, like, stop the Joes without actually killing them or hurting them. So... And I call bullshit on that later. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, Cobra blocks three whale hovercrafts, which are driven by Flint, Shipwreck, and uh, a generic Joe, and steals several red drums. Dusty decides that uh, rather killing the employees of the plant, his men should save their ammo for the Joes. The Cobra agents board their water moccasins and drive away into uh, a three-way fork in the bayou. After pushing the barge out of their way, the three whales split up, 
and follow Cobra, but nets catch the Joes and prevent them from pursuing. Flint fires rockets at the water moccasins. However, the armor treatment uh, prevents Cobra's vehicles from being damaged, and Flint comments that Cobra may may now be invincible. I wrote down net traps WTF. <laughs> like, how would they have been able? They'd have to go in there beforehand. Right. Set all those booby traps up. Without I mean, anyone on. noticing it. Nobody knows it. And those have to be some pretty powerful nets. Like, for to stop a whale. Like, that. that's some big nets that are extremely tough. Well, I guess if you can drive the whale from one of the gun cockpits, I mean. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, that's true. Uh, and the one thing that it's a super minor, minor nitpick, but it just happened, it just, I, it was something I noticed when I watched the episode that Flint was like, fire the missiles. And what they actually fired were lasers. They weren't missiles. And we've seen missiles in Joe. So I was just like, it just seemed like lazy animation where it was just like, yeah, we're not going to draw missiles. We're just, just have them shoot the lasers. Uh, after pushing, uh, let's see, uh, inside Cobra's base, Dusty pulls down a face mask and Cobra Commander orders a small squad of Cobra agents to fire at Dusty. When the lasers and, uh, dust clear, Dusty is still standing and comments that the uniform needs more chest padding. However, he wasn't, uh, seriously injured. As the squad of Cobra soldiers raise Dusty onto their, sh- uh, shoulders, Cobra Commander raises his hand in the air and declares Cobra is now unbeatable since the armor treatment can protect the Cobra soldiers from the Joe's laser fire. Uh, meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, Dusty is carried away. Uh, Tomax and Zaymot note that the officer who lost the battle with Dusty, Lieutenant Claymore, continues to sweep the room and is not cheering. But Claymore doesn't say anything to the twins and continues to sweep. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. Did it seem, did it seem weird when they picked Dusty up? Like, I felt like they were picking him up to carry him away to something, like, in a bad way. And then later on, it looked like he was being carried on their shoulders. Like, the initial picking him up, like, seemed like they were about to, like, take him someplace bad, like, against his will. I think it was just bad animation. Yeah. Like, I, I, I assume that they were picking him for, like, you know, for he's a jolly good fell, you know, whatever, <laughs> the hip hop parade. Right. You know, but I think the animation there was a little wonky. Yeah. 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 Um, at Owsley Chemical Compounds, uh, which I liked the name of that. I don't think there's any connection, but who knows? But Owsley, I believe, if I remember right, is like a daredevil villain known as the Owl. His last name is Owsley. So I don't know if there could be any, like, little connection there. Um, because I know a lot of the, a lot of the writers for these cartoons were also comic book writers. Um, so the Joes guard the plant with several sluggers, maulers, and awe strikers. And, uh, and in the air, the Cobra helicarrier pumps out black smoke to disguise itself while hovering over the Joe forces. As Flint notes that the plant manufactures the last ingredient of Cobra's mind control gas, Cobra commander tells his troops that he will lead them to victory with Cobra claws which prompts Dusty to ask Cobra Commander, don't you trust me anymore? Giggling softly, Cobra Commander then responds, as Stalin said, trust no one, not even yourself. Which I thought that was an interesting thing to throw in there, too, like to quote Stalin, like that's a perfect person for Cobra Commander to quote, but I just thought that was kind of neat to throw in that little, 
I didn't look it up to see if Stalin actually said that, but I assume he actually probably did. Um, Cobra Claws glide down from the sky, and as the Joes hit the Cobra troops, they then watch Cobra, Cobra's agents stand back up and continue to advance. Lady J asks Flint if there was some weakness in the armor treatment formula. Flint racks his brain and vaguely remembers Doc or Duke mentioning some weakness. Then he remembers calling down from a, a slugger. Flint yells, Blowtorch! Which, Blowtorch just all of a sudden is just there. <laughs> um, he's like, can do, Flint. And the yellow and red clad man with the flamethrower yells back uh, before spraying fire uh, across the across the land. Shipwreck, roadblock, gung-ho, and several other Generic Joes place incendiaries on their guns and fire at Cobra as per Flint's orders. Cobra retreats and uh, Barbecue and the other Joes raise their guns in the air and yell with pride in their voices, Yo, Joe. Any thoughts on that? You do actually see Blowtorch on the ground before he gets told it. Like, you see him in the background. Oh, do you? I didn't get yeah, him until he's, that He's moment. just a quick... He's just there. It's like... You you kind of see him. He's he's like crawling along the ground behind everybody. And then, gotcha. yeah, I didn't notice him until that moment. I was like, oh wow, okay. Um, the black smoke thing cracked me up because I was just like, I don't see that ever actually working. <laughs> Not to mention how loud must that thing be? Right. You, know? <laughs> you got um, this one single black cloud coming towards you. Right. Like this one isolated thunderstorm is coming directly upon you. Coming right at you. It's just Winnie the Pooh coming to get his honey. Just <laughs> I hard. thought that immediately. <laughs> so uh, Cobra Commander and his forces fly back to the helicarrier, and Dusty, who is standing at the entrance of the flying base, comments that Cobra appears to have gotten their fangs scorched. Tomex and Zamot tell Dusty that his comments may be considered traitorous. Uh, while Flint, Lady J, Shipwreck, and several generic Joes chase Dusty, who is driving a Cobra uh, ferret, Cobra Commander leads a squad into the into the plant, steals a few barrels of the chemical, and radios Dusty that his part of the mission is complete. Which, I don't know about you guys, but I thought maybe it skipped ahead for a moment there. Because I was like, wait, why? what just happened? Because didn't they all just come back to the thing, and now all of a sudden Dusty's being chased by Joes? Like, I really thought something happened that I completely missed. I, I thought they jumped, too, just to a different, like... While this was going on, this was also going on, but you just right. didn't know it until that moment. Right. It just was very weird. So Dusty signals the Cobra demolition team, and several large explosive explosions create a crater in the earth, and the Joes drive uh, their Ostrikers, Silver Mirage, motorcycles, and vamps into the hole. <clears throat> As Cobra troops uh, surround the Joes, Flint orders a, a cursing shipwreck to stand down. Cobra Commander congratulates Dusty and promises him a position in the new Cobra Order, but Dusty simply salutes and replies that his service under Cobra Commander has been a pleasure. Tomax and Zamot then suggest that uh, that the mind control gas to be tested on the Joes, an idea that makes Cobra Commander very happy, and Dusty to clench his fists and involuntarily reply, No. Cobra Commander asks if there is anything wrong with Dusty, and the ex-Joe says nothing is wrong. Uh, in front of the door that says gas laboratory, no admittance, <laughs> Dusty looks over his shoulder and then enters the lab. However, Lieutenant Claymore, who is sweeping the hallway, pulls a radio and contacts the Crimson Guard commanders. 
stating that there's op- their opportunity to prove that Dusty is a traitor may be at hand. As Dusty is reading the instruments in the lab, Tomax and Zaymont enter the room and attack Dusty, but just as he's about to uh, to defeat them, Tomax tosses a barrel into Dusty's stomach, and the ex-Jo collapses to the ground. Another instance in this where one of them got hit and the other one felt it, and he's like, I, didn't he say something like, I didn't even touch you? Yeah, that twin trope gets old real quick. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Dusty is dragged into Cobra Commander's room, and Cobra Commander demands to know what's going on. Tomax and Zaymont explain that they caught Dusty in the lab, but a smiling Dusty uh, listens to Cobra Commander shout at the twins. Fools, Cobra's leader, explains that he ordered Dusty to prepare the gas and would not betray Cobra because the convicted felon doesn't have anywhere else to go. Placing his hand on Dusty's shoulders, Cobra Commander explains that Dusty will prove his loyalty tomorrow by gassing the Joes personally. Cobra Commander addresses the warriors uh, of Cobra by explaining that the world now belongs to Cobra, and his troops raise their hands and shout three times Cobra. The Joes are led into the arena, and Dusty seals the arena off from the Cobra spectators, closes the temple vents over the Cobra agents, and opens the arena vents as per Cobra Commander's orders. But when Cobra Commander orders the gas to be pumped into the Joe tank, and leans over to watch the results. Dusty opens the vents over the Cobra agents, closes the arena vents, and pumps the gas onto, into the Cobra temple. I really didn't see that coming. No. Not the even old switcheroo. I no. never saw that coming. No. <laughs> and wasn't wasn't the gas supposed to be like, make them mindless zombies, not knock them out? <laughs> it's supposed to be mind control gas, right. whatever that is. Right. <laughs> but, but all the Cobra Troopers, like, it was like it was knockout gas. They all fell asleep. <laughs> um, so Cobra Commander declares Dusty a traitor and attacks him, but Dusty throws him into the approaching Tomax and Zaymot, opens the glass cover over the arena, and tells the Joes that uh, there are weapons in the ready room. Cobra Commander yells that Dusty was a triple agent and simply says, You guessed it, Chrome Dome. Uh, with pistols drawn, Tomax and Zaymot walk towards Dusty and tell him to have a nice death, but the Joes climb into the control perch and slug it out with the Cobra agents. As Lady J kicks Cobra Commander to the side and Shipwreck swats Cobra agents with a pole, uh, Cobra Commander flees from Flint and Lady J until he runs into some of his agents and and then orders them to destroy the Joes and Flint and Lady J quickly retreat. I don't know about quickly retreat. I think they would have been dead. Because... They stood there, and there's a lot of shots being fired at them before they turned around and went back around the corner. <laughs> yeah, they just had to wrap this thing it. up. <laughs> <laughs> so, literally and figuratively, with his back against the wall, Flint listens to Dusty's offer to help and wonders if he should trust the ex-Joe. Dusty pleads with Flint and asks how he can afford not to trust him. Lady J tells Flint that Dusty has a point. And the Joes retreat to the lab. Shipwreck closes the lab doors and watches as laser uh, lasers slice through the door just inches over his head. Flint asks Dusty what he's doing while tapping a control panel, and Dusty explains that everything was part of Duke's plan. Uh, Duke's what? asks a surprised Lady J. Suddenly the door to the lab is knocked down, and a Cobra Hiss rolls into the lab. Dusty grabs a barrel and throws it against the several glass containers. Fumes float out of the lab and flood the temple, and as soon as the fumes touch Cobra's tanks and uniforms, they fall to pieces. 
Dusty explains that Duke knew the mind control gas would be used to neutralize the unstable armor. Uh, treatment formula could cause the armor protection chemical to corrode. Anything it touches and when mixed with the mind control, uh, and when mixed with the mind control gas. And I will pause here because I'm sure, Rock, you have plenty to discuss when it comes to what happened to all the stuff. <laughs> well, I love how all the uniforms magically got disappeared like they got hit with a naked bomb. Yes. You know what I mean? And they were all in their underwear. Good thing none of them go commando. Yeah, they're all just standing there in their boxer shorts. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, and then the, all the hiss tanks and everything else turned to shit, basically. Yeah, turned to dust. They were just gone. They, you can't forget the most important part. Lady J got an eye, eye full of dong. <laughs> yes, she did. Because <laughs> she chases that one guy down, pulls his underwear down. Pulls yeah, she off, was, yeah. Yeah, she was running after Captain Claymore. <laughs> but like I, the you, you were mentioning the his tanks turned to dust. Like to me, they actually turned to shit because they actually had like they turned brown and there was actually like a squishing sound when they all came apart. Oh, I did write down fart noises on here. <laughs> that is, I was like, oh, Rock's gotta be loving this. <laughs> you know what? I wrote gas. Fart noises, naked gas <laughs> on my notes. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So uh, after Flint knocks three Cobra agents uh, against a wall and Lady J actually rips a pair of boxers off of an agent while tackling him to the ground, Cobra Commander watches Tomax and Zaymot tell him to call the corporate office sometime for lunch uh, for a lunch appointment, saluting and simultaneously uh, saying ciao, the Crimson Guard commanders fly away in trouble bubbles, and leave Cobra Commander at the mercy of the Joes. Uh, Cobra Commander turns uh, and hisses at the Joes as they f- as they find him, but before the Joes can nab Cobra's leader, the Joes are fired upon and are forced to scatter. A Cobra Fang enters the f- uh, flight bay. Cobra Commander grabs a rung on the helicopter, and the Fang uh, then flies out of the bay. Cobra Commander then looks up at the pilot, sees Lieutenant Claymore, and tells him, that is a uh, that it's nice to know who his friends are in life, which another color error uh, there because the hand they only show a hand and it's white. It's not it's not Lieutenant Claymore that rescued him, <laughs> or maybe Lieutenant Claymore's like Zartan and you can just change colors. Or it's like Michael Jackson has vertigo. <laughs> oh my god! I almost. When I was, when, after I watched this episode, I actually was like mowing the lawn and I actually thought, I was like, oh my God, is Lieutenant Claymore like Michael Jackson? (laughs) Getting injected with bleach and everything else. Did did Claymore have any, just one glove on or do you have two gloves, no gloves? It is kind of a shame though that we never see the character again, especially since they like actually name him and, and like, he would be somebody recognizable in the future if you but wanted to use him. You know again. what else? You know what else is really weird too. If you think about GI Joe, like they had a few black characters. I mean, oh yeah, you had Stalker, you had Doc, you had Iceberg, you had Roadblock, I mean, you had Frost. Uh, yeah, they, they never made a black Cobra. No. Well, and I always wondered if the reason they didn't do that was because they were trying to show like. Almost like the um, Hitler Nazi side of Cobra, where it's like supremacy, like white supremacy and stuff like that. But yeah, they just they never really did. Yeah, I mean it was just kind of weird thinking about it now. I mean, 
Yeah, because, like, we always talk about, like, you know, and I've heard this so many times, like, and it's very true, like, you know, nowadays everyone's, like, up in arms because, like, oh, we need to make sure there's diversity, diversity and stuff like that. But it's, like, you look at G.I. Joe, there was a lot of diversity at a time when that wasn't something that was, like, prominent. Um, yeah, they had quite a few women characters. Yep. I mean, they had Native American. I mean, a lot of them look like stereotypes. I mean, sure. like like Mutton Junkyard. He looks like one of the village people with that big <laughs> mustache. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things I just kind of thought about. You know, it's weird looking at, you know, 2021 eyes compared yeah. to 1985 sure. eyes. It's just, sure. yeah. Well, and you had, like, things. wasn't Zap Hispanic? Um, yes. And, like, yeah. so, I mean, you, you had, like, like I said, it was, it, you had a lot of Asian characters, of course, uh, with a lot of the martial arts stuff going on. Again, I know it was a stereotype, but still to include them on a military type thing like this was, it was not really done back then. So. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about now. Yeah. So, uh, at the G.I. Joe hospital, Duke announces that Dusty is reinstated with full rank and privileges and the Joe team while, uh, on the Joe team while Duke shakes, uh, his teammates hand Dusty's teammates clap and welcome him back to the team. But Dusty's mother whistles sharply and asks what happened to her son. Duke explains that when Cobra approached Dusty, Dusty went to Duke, explained what happened, and the two created a plan that would allow Cobra to receive the unstable armor treatment formula and give the Joes a chance to defeat Cobra. Unfortunately, Duke was the only other person besides Dusty who knew uh, that his defection to Cobra was never for real. Uh, his mom says, you poor baby. Uh, and wraps uh, Dusty uh, wraps his arms around his mother, smiles, and tells her, "Ah, ma," and thus ends the episode. Dude, that GI Joe hospital was enormous, <laughs> and in the middle of like a city. Yeah, and said GI Joe hospital too. Yes. Which I'm like, oh, okay, I okay. More than likely, that that's going to be on a military base somewhere. And uh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Like, do you really, are there that many Joes that you need, like, a 20-story hospital? Well, that, and is there that many injuries, which I assume there probably is, so. <laughs> well, well, where do you think all the green shirts end up? Uh, that's true. Uh, true. My last note for this episode was, Dusty's mom looks like Sophia from the Golden Girls. <laughs> I see it. I see it, yeah. One thing I noticed with this episode, too, speaking of green shirts, is that we actually got to see the green shirts kick a little ass. Uh, in this episode, which I thought was really cool. Because so, there was like an all-out battle that went on at the end there. So um, They were they were all over the place in this they episode. Were. They were. Not and, just like background characters, but... And know. like we've said many times, I still don't understand why figures weren't made of them. Like it just... Didn't. Oh, they, they could have just put two two figures in a, in a pack with a whole shitload of accessories. Yeah. And people will be all over. And make female ones, too, because you see yeah. the female ones in the cartoon. Too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, overall, uh, what do you guys think? Grub, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, overall, and then you can give your rating, too. i got to give this one an ace as well. Just, okay. you know, there's other than some of the animation weirdness, it's still it's still an actual decent story. Okay. Um and it's just, it's, I don't know, I just really enjoyed it. It may also be my dusty biases high. <laughs> so. Sure. Get that. Mm-hmm. Rock, how about for you? I mean, I liked it, but not as much as the first episode, but yeah. I get it. You kind of have to wrap it up and, you know, figure out a way to finish the story. Uh, I'm going to give it a snarf. Oh, wait, we're not doing those anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> give it a borrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what's the one? What's the, the, the uh, three? The three I is a Cobra Command. I'd give it a Cobra Command. Yeah, that's that's where I fall to. It's like you said. For me, it's not as good as the first one. Um, it follows some of the tropes. Once we once we got into some of the ridiculousness of the piranhas and stuff like that, I was like, okay, you're losing me a little bit here. I mean, it was fun, but it, it's a little ridiculous. Um, you know, the, the the Lady J pulling the guy's boxer shorts down. I was like, okay, we're in the middle of a battle. <laughs> that seemed ridiculous. And the and, and then I have I had to knock it down a peg just because of how much colorization problems there were. Like there was a, there was a lot of color colorization issues. So um, I still it makes you wonder. Yeah, like back back then they just didn't have people catching this stuff, or is it yeah just now with the TVs being such good quality and that we notice it more. I think what it was is that people weren't catching it. Like, even if they noticed it, I think there was like a timetable to get these episodes out. Like it was just like, okay, yeah, it's wrong, but kids won't notice. Like, I literally think that was the mentality back then was kids won't notice this. Just put it out there. Um, well, plus you are right about the, the TVs. I mean, the 4k, 8k, you know, these things were all done and, you know, I mean, what nineteen? What were they? Nineteen eighty four. You know, almost yeah. forty yeah. years ago. But we I will were probably say, watching them on nineteen inch TVs back yeah. then. Yeah, but I will say, even as a, you were lucky, even as a kid, I noticed color problems though. Like if something was wasn't colored right, or if a character was in a scene that wasn't supposed to be in the scene, stuff like that. Um, I've heard creators actually say like they just didn't worry about stuff like that because they just figured kids wouldn't notice, and there wasn't like social media like today where you. You know, you'd make a mistake like that and everybody knew. So, um, can we go back to 1985? Oh, it'd be good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> can I bring back the money that I have now to buy like, <laughs> everything, you know, an entire fleet of flags? Right. And then come back now and sell them all. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, as like I said, I still enjoyed the episode. It just, uh, especially when you make it part of the, you know, the two parter and everything else. So I gave it a Cobra command also, like I still enjoyed it. I would still watch it again. It just wasn't as good as the, the first part. So for me, all right. And the last episode, the pit of vipers. Um, so in this, and you did not watch this one, right? Rock. Yeah. I think I might just drop out because okay. honestly, I watched the wrong episode, okay. so I'm kind of just, I'm not really going to have much input for this, unfortunately. That's all right. So, well, uh, what you missed is you missed the Skynet episode, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunately, because I had such great notes, too, for The Viper is Coming, too. Oh, uh, and I think uh, we did that one already. So. You did. You guys did it yeah. a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, so that was my mistake. That's all right. You got an early morning tomorrow, so get some rest. Uh, I will let you know next time we're doing one of these, and uh, and you're, of course you'll be welcome back. And and I definitely want to do an episode sometime with you and talk about some vintage toys and everything else because I think people would really like talking about that. So yeah, definitely. I love to talk toys, and, and if you guys like talking toys, you Thank can you. join me on Open Up Your Toys <laughs> podcast. We're on live on YouTube every other Sunday. 6 p.m. Eastern, 3%, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific. But yeah, it's been fun. I love to- I love vintage cartoons as well as vintage toys. So if you do another episode, I'll, I'll definitely come yeah. back. I was going to give you a chance to plug your stuff. I just, but you, <laughs> you went ahead and took it anyway. So, 
Um, yeah, I hijacked it. No, that's make fine. Sure you chew your blue, make sure you have your blue chews with you while listening to Audible while watching the show. Right. Right. There's no no commercials, Ryan. No Manscaped? No Manscaped commercials. Not this time. Okay. We saved those. Time, we saved those for Baltimore. All right. <laughs> but next no, time I'll bring... know, who knows if that's happening this year or not? Right. Right. Well, if it well, doesn't, so. if it doesn't, I hope so. But if it doesn't, we'll do another like uh, video episode or something like that. So uh, sounds good to me. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, definitely definitely check out uh, Rock's other show that he's on uh, all the time. Uh, it's a good time. I don't get to check all the episodes out, but I do pop in every once in a while to check them out because it is fun. Uh, here you get. You know, if you guys so. like if you like Star Joe's, that's what we cover. We cover the four franchises: Masters of the Universe, Transformers, Star Wars, and GI Joe. Basically, just cover the new toys that are coming out, uh, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, check it out and. Uh, Awesome. I'll see you guys around next time. All right, man. Have a good night. Thank Later. you. Take care, guys. Good night. And then there were two. And then there were two. Let's see who lasts the longest. Considering well, it'll be you because we're <laughs> recording it. <laughs> well, that and I'm also the one that's usually up late at night and I don't have yeah. to work tomorrow. So <laughs> uh, I went and uh, so my wife and I both went and got our second COVID uh, shot and uh we so we both took some days off because we didn't know how we were going to react. Basically, I, I get mine in a week and a half. Okay, very good. So it happens to be a Friday, and I'm like, I'm taking that day off. And that's days. your is that your first one or is that your second one? It'll be your second. Second one. Okay. I'm, I'm house Moderna. Gotcha. Yeah, we we had Pfizer, and uh, we got the um, so the day after. Just if people are curious as far as because it's different for everybody, I know, but just people always like to kind of know like, well, what did you feel? What did was it like? Um, I, my wife had the more minor side effects than I did, but we both had where we got really tired. We felt like we were in a haze the entire day, uh, took a lot of naps. Like, so when we say we were tired, like we slept a lot. Um, and my wife does not take naps. So if that gives you any indication, I love naps. I will take lots of naps, but she does not. So the fact that she was sleeping a lot during the day, um, very much a lack of motivation, (laughs) like, it just sapped us completely of wanting to get up and do anything. Like we prepared ahead of time. We like had, I had dinner ready. So all you had to do was like heat it up. And it was like, you would go and be like, I just don't even feel like doing that much. Um, and then later that night I had, uh, she did not experience this, but I did. I definitely had a bit of a fever, uh, head pressure, really bad head pressure, uh, from the fever probably. And then I got, really, really, really intense chills for like five to 10 minutes. Uh, to, where I put blankets on me and I was just sweating profusely. And then I, uh, as soon as the five, 10 minutes were over, that's when I felt completely normal. It was really weird. And I've heard from people, it, it's like you, it's like a switch. You go from feeling like total crap to then all of a sudden you're like, I'm fine. I feel totally fine. And that's what happened for me. Like as soon as those chills were over, I felt totally normal. I felt a hundred percent normal. And then I went to bed and the next morning I woke up and was still totally fine. So we took some days off because we knew our weekend was going to be shot. So this way you could still kind of enjoy some days off. So, so that's why I'm yeah. off. Next when few my days. wife had her second shot, it, it hit her pretty hard. She was like, I'm just really just all of her bones. It's like her joints just all ached. Yeah. Um, we didn't really have that. I had one, I had my one knee ache and that was, a, that was it. Um, 
But well, but, she's also that's every time when she gets the flu shot every year, she has gotcha. the same reaction to it. Gotcha. So she, gets, she gets real achy with stuff, and usually I don't like stuff like that. Doesn't bother me. I don't really get get yeah. affected by it. But I'm yeah. curious to see what hits me or what doesn't when yeah. I get the second shot. That's the thing. I'm I'm just like. I wonder what this is going to be like. That's what we were like after we got the shot. We're like, oh, what are, what's going to happen? <laughs> like We were very curious because um, we knew whatever it was was short-lived. So it wasn't like it wasn't going to you know last the, you know for long. But uh, I know some people that have had really intense reactions. Um, and then I've known some people that said, yeah, I had nothing, like nothing at all. And I was like, wow, okay. So, um, oh, I also had a sore arm which is a pretty common thing is whatever arm you got the shot in tends to be really sore. Yeah, that's but, all I had. The first shot was a sore arm for yeah. like 12 hours. And then yeah. I couldn't, good. I couldn't, uh, like the first time it just felt like a little bit of a bruise and it was totally fine. This time I couldn't even lay on that arm at all. So, um, so it was a little bit more intense than the first time. So, but yeah, so I'm off tomorrow. So yeah, I'll be up late tonight anyways. <laughs> But let's see uh, see what we can do to get through this episode, and then uh, and then we'll call it a night. So this is the Pit of Vipers, uh, written by Flint Dilly. And as always, Eric, please feel free to jump at any point. Uh, so in the middle of the desert and under a dark sky, lights are ignited on a stone mesa, and a, a runway is revealed at the top. Cobra Rattlers, Trouble Bubbles, Hiss Tanks, and Ferrets then launch from the fortress to attack the Joes. Breaker, who is snoring while in the communications room, is awakened by the perimeter alert and starts a uh, red alert. Which, the Mesa reminded me very much of, um, was it Jetta? I was going to say uh, Airwolf. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but probably, yeah, I guess Jetta. Yeah, probably more relatable considering that Airwolf was actually going on at the time of this show. <laughs> uh, Flint, Lady J, and Heavy Metal catch sight of the Mesa on a monitor, and Lady J wonders how the base uh, was built without the Joes knowing about its construction. Flint decides to adopt a shoot-first, ask-questions-later policy, and the Joes rush out to intercept Cobra. How? That's something I was trying to figure out, was how close was that thing? Because it was clearly close enough that they could get there quickly with with, yeah. with land vehicles. Yeah, I agree. It, it, so, like, even later when we get the explanation as to, like, who actually built it and everything else, like, that still doesn't explain why they didn't notice it being built. <laughs> yeah. Because it's pretty big. Uh, it's, I mean, unless it was already a natural rock formation that they uh, um, just built into. Right. But I didn't... I, that was my first guess. Was it, I thought it was originally just a natural formation that was built into, but then how, it was that close. Like it had You'd to be still, close. Ha- yeah, because you would have to figure also like that the Joes are doing like perimeter searches like around the surrounding areas and things like that. Yeah, it's a desert; you can see pretty far. Right, exactly. So I don't know, and you, also it being a desert, I would imagine sound carries pretty easily. So if you're drilling into a big rock formation, I would think that gets noticed. Some- <laughs> well, you may not notice that with all the military vehicles moving around. True. Very true. So, uh, Oz Strikers parachute to the ground, land near the Mesa, and Flint tells the Joes to go ahead and knock on the front door. As Cobra Rattlers approach, in, uh, approach tr- a trio of Sky Strikers, uh, Lady J asks Ace if he would like to accompany her into enemy territory. 
uh, blow in my headphones and I'll follow you anywhere, Lady J, Ace replies. And all I can think of is, is Ace going to crash another Sky Striker? That, that's, I, I, same thing. Every time I saw Ace, I'm like, is he going to get shot down? Is he going to get shot down? It's because you have ingrained that into my brain. Right. Well, the, the show has it ingrained in your brain. It's not us. <laughs> we, we only report what actually happens. <laughs> but I seriously thought every single time that, like you said, every time he showed up, I was like, oh, crap, is he going to get shot out of the sky? And he, uh, not to spoil it, but he doesn't, except there was one time I thought maybe it was him that got shot out. Because there was a Sky Striker that got shot out of the sky, and it was right after Ace spoke. And I was like, is that Ace that got shot out of the sky? Because we don't see him the rest of the battle. <laughs> um, but that happens later on. So, um, Cobra's weapons are destroyed by the Jose, uh, and suddenly the entire Cobra army disappears. A computer voice announces that the computer simulation has ended, and a confused Flint drives with Bazooka into the base. Lady J, Flint, and Airborne land on the roof of the base and enter the base as well. Which I was so happy that Bazooka was going to be in this episode. <laughs> I was just, I was happy to see Heavy Metal and yes. Airborne. Yes. But then here's a question I had: As soon as they said, "Oh, well, it's a simulation," and it's like everything disappeared, I was like, "Then the, all the missiles they shot, what did they hit? What did they hit? Well, because then they go anywhere. Like later on, they mentioned that well, oh, it was holograms. And I'm like, but holograms are still hollow. Like they still, <laughs> yeah. stuff still flies through it. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, if, yeah. If I remember right, is this the one where they were all like on the awe strikers or something and then they all like bail off and then charge on foot like the last Yes, day? yes. Like, why would you bail off the vehicle that's got a bigger gun on it than what you have? Don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, both groups of, uh, Joe teams meet in the control room and Flint demands that they get the, uh, Pentagon involved. However, Colonel Sharp appears on the monitor in the room and explains that the Pentagon is already aware of the base. Since they authorized the construction, the base is known as Watchdog and is the most sophisticated computer system uh, in the world. After Colonel Sharp explains that the Cobra Army, uh, that the Cobra Army and the, the Joes fought were holograms, and Lady J realizes that the base was never encoded as hostile and therefore not recognized by a Joe satellite system. Cue Terminator theme. Right, exactly. <laughs> Colonel Sharp straightens his tie and nervously explains that Watchdog is the new commander of the Joe team. Uh, Dr. Hamler, the inventor of Watchdog, enters the room and explains that his creation is, is a powerful and efficient intelligence uh, network that scans the globe and beyond for Cobra activity. Is it Handler or Hamler? Hamler, like, H-A-M-M-L-E-R. Okay, because I wasn't sure if I was hearing it correctly, like, this is your hand, or right. you have a rack of ham here that you need to eat. Right, and I heard it both ways throughout the episode, so I yeah. totally get why it, yeah, it got confusing. Also, was it just me, or did Dr. Hamler sound like he also does, as a side gig, the uh, narration for the Transformers episodes? Uh, <laughs> now you say that? Yes, I can like it, I, it didn't. It didn't connect with me until you just said. That. I heard that voice. And I go. That sounds like. Meanwhile, on Cybertron. <laughs> uh, so, also, uh, uh, not. I know this is a, a spoiler of sorts, but uh, Watchdog also sounds like Zartan. Um, I didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. 
I believe you, but I didn't notice. <laughs> I did notice, and then later on I was like, oh, well, that explains it. <laughs> Dr. Hamler also adds that the Joes will receive their orders from Watchdog via communicator, which he pulls from his coat pocket. We're supposed to take orders from a pile of silicon chips, Flint asks Colonel Sharp. Dr. Hamler suggests that the Joes need a dem- uh, that the Joes need a demonstration. Watchdog finds a yacht called the Cerebus in the Indian Ocean and notes that Cobra Commander and Destro are aboard. Breaker tells Flint that there's no need for a personal uh, personnel review since Watchdog has dispatched the USS Flag to intercept. Dragonflies and sharks take off and attack. Uh, after the Sky Strikers, which are led by Ace, complete their uh, strafing run, the Cerebus sinks into the water. Admiral Ledger congratulates the Joes and tells them to travel back to the USS Flag since Watchdog has transmitted new orders. Flint radios the Joes aircraft carrier and asks if Destro and Cobra Commander were aboard. Shipwreck flies his shark back into the water and discovers that the Cerebus has disappeared. Uh, after Breaker des- uh, decides that the ocean's current could not have carried the ship away, Watchdog reports that the ship was covered in sediment. Sediment, my left barnacle, Shipwreck mutters angrily. Watchdog orders uh, CPO Delgado back to the USS Flag. However, Shipwreck places communicator into a torpedo tube and launches the communicator into the ocean and is then swallowed by a shark. Flint asks Shipwreck what happened since Watchdog reported that Shipwreck abandoned his ship, but Shipwreck replies that he doesn't know and suggests that it would uh, it could be a computer error. Promising to look into the matter, he switches his radio off and begins to look for the Cerebus. Uh, Flint leaves with Gung Ho on a search and destroy mission in the Everglades, but before Flint leaves, he orders Breaker to let them uh, let him know if Shipwreck finds anything. As a Cobra submarine docks, Destro walks with Cobra Commander, who is laughing uncontrollably, and explains that their watchdog scheme is quite funny since the U.S. government paid for the Cobra base. Destro then introduces Cobra Commander to a weapon that will destroy the Joe's headquarters, a drill of on wheels called the Pit Viper. Uh, Scarlet visits Breaker in the communications room, and she learns that Watchdog is not a very successful project. After Flint reports that his mission in uh, his mission in the Everglades is a wild goose chase, Watchdog tells him that there is a high probability that Cobra is in this sector and orders Flint to find them. Everglades ain't exactly a small area. No. <laughs> And I'm sure that was done intentionally. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, Heavy Metal, which, like you said, I was very happy to see him in this episode because that is not a character we normally see. Uh, Heavy Metal leads an armadillo unit into the desert to find uh, an abandoned Hiss tank, which is filled with sand. Heavy Metal radios Breaker and asks if he has any kids since the Hiss tank looks like a sandbox. Meanwhile, Lady J travels, uh, travels Frostbite and a squad of snowcats. Blows open the doors to a Cobra Arctic base and learns that it has been abandoned for some time. Scarlet tells Breaker that she doesn't like their present uh, situation since the Joes are spread too thin and Watchdog is constantly barking up all the wrong trees. Asking about Shipwreck, Breaker jokes with Scarlet that Shipwreck is getting a suntan on a beach. However, Shipwreck finds Cobra's underwater base and is attacked by a group of eels. He flies to the surface. But before he can radio headquarters, a rattler shoots his shark down. Shipwreck's head slams against the shark's canopy, and he falls unconscious. Um, Shipwreck awakens, and he thanks Dr. Hamler for designing a computer that could find and save him, explaining that the Joes need to be told 
about the Cerebus and the Cobra base. Shipwreck is led by Dr. Hamler to the Pit Viper's construction room and learns that Destro designed Watchdog and Dr. Hamler, who rips off his mask to reveal himself as Zartan, sold the program to the Pentagon. Destro also adds that since the Joe's base is now virtually deserted and Watchdog can can turn off the base's automated defenses, the Joe's headquarters will be destroyed by the Pit Viper. Which, Zartan, like, tears everything off like he's the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> but he always did that. <laughs> every, every time, like, oh, and it's it, this person's really the Baroness, and then she rips, like, an entire, like, you know, <laughs> amount of clothing on to have her leather suit on on her knees. It's, it's like, like it's, and it's ripped off like it's paper. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Um, and also the pit viper, that huge acid drill thing, like, that's the one thing in this episode that made me go, I don't know. <laughs> Every time you see a giant drill for the thing, you're just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is unoriginal as hell. <laughs> right. Especially when the front of the drill, like, tips down to drill into the ground. <laughs> um, Shipwreck immediately shoves the guard nearby to the ground and runs from the Cobra's. Uh, however, Destro shoots a wrist rocket that explodes in front of a of shipwreck, which is not a wise move in an underwater base. Well, also at that point when he's down, I would just riddle him with bullets. Yes. While he's unconscious on the ground. Yeah. Why do you need to keep him around? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, as he is unconscious, Cobra Commander orders the Joe to be brought to the control room so that he can watch shipwreck squirm as GI Joe headquarters is destroyed, uh, which is always a bad move, as we were just mentioning. Uh, after Breaker decides that the ocean's current could not have carried the ship away, Watchdog reports that the ship was covered in sediment. Uh, and let's see. Looks like they have that repeated. Yeah, I have a lot of this stuff repeated here, so I'm scanning ahead. Scanning, scanning. <laughs> right. <laughs> Watchdog is scanning. Well, I took this right from Joe Guide, so I feel like they have it repeated in there, because I don't think I would have copied and pasted it multiple times. Um, Maybe that's what Skynet wants you to do. Right. So it's distracting you away from the real problems. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it basically copied the same thing over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> like, all three times. So let's see if I can find that while we're uh, talking here. Well, Shipwreck uh, ends up spoiling the fun for Cobra. <laughs> yes. And then they attack the real base, which this time... Legit does have, like, real Cobra Troopers there. Yeah, and uh, Shipwreck actually tricks Cobra Commander into opening up the communications, because he's like, don't you want to, like, flaunt it against uh, uh, against the Joes? And he's like, oh, yeah, I want to do he that. he got Cobra Commander monologuing. Yes, exactly. And then he's able to actually let them know, like, hey, this is what's going on, and that opens up all the communications. Uh, the Pit Viper, big giant ass drill. Uh, w- who was it that had the bazooka? Was it, um, cause it wasn't bazooka that had the bazooka. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, you're right. It was, um, was it Breaker? I, th- I think it was, cause he was like the only one left at the base with Scarlet. Yeah. It was one of those two. I think it was Breaker that had it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so like, uh, she, Scarlet takes a broken down Sky Striker and tries to fire missiles at it, and it does not stop it at all. Um, amazingly. You can't stop it, you can only hope to contain it. <laughs> right. Um, and what ends up happening is it, it just runs over the Sky Striker just as Scarlet jumps out of it. And they, uh, so then 
like I said, Breaker has the bazooka, and she's like, that's not going to do anything. And he shoots the side of it, which opens up a door to it, basically giving them access to base to control it, uh, which works in their favor. So, um, and let's see here. I am trying to find the website, but anyways, they, they end up winning. <laughs> well, no, the thing that kills me is they get inside the, the, the drill. Yeah. And they start controlling it and they, they ended up, I don't remember where they, I guess they drove it to the somewhere else. And then it, they drove that thing, I, I guess, through the watchdog. Yes. And that thing was like, they must have jumped that thing like thousands of feet <laughs> in the air. And conveniently also had parachutes inside of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how the hell, like, if a drill's picking up that much speed? That was a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's like a real drill. That's not even a... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, Joe wins the day. Yeah. So I actually did go to their their website, and I just like literally because it, I did it right before the ep- we recorded the episode. I went to their website just now, and yeah, they literally have the exact same wording copied multiple times. Like, you, well, <laughs> time to time to notify and or Wikipedia that. Right. Like, excuse me, your shit's well, wrong. Actually, what it looks like it looks like their link is broken because when you click on part three, because they have it broken down into. Th- three different parts, they, um, yeah, that's what happened. When you click on part three, it takes you back to part two. So, um, okay, so here, here's where we go. So <laughs> Shipwreck punches the Cobra agent guarding him, shoots the control panel with the guard's gun, and tells the Joe that Watchdog works for Cobra and that they should destroy it. After Shipwreck is cut off and knocked out by Zartan and Destro, Breaker, Relays Shipwreck's information to the Joes. Scarlet unsuccessfully tries to stop the Pit Viper with an explosive tipped arrow uh, and declares that she f- uh, feels like she should be trying to stop a Sherman tank with a fly swatter. Uh, Breaker tells her that uh, tells her that he was able to contact the uh, Joes and Flint and Lady J and Heavy Metal are going to try to destroy Watchdog. He then asks how they are going to stop Cobra's weapon and... Scarlet says, uh, I'm open to suggestions. Uh, Armadillo's parachute to the ground, and Flint tells everyone that this time the fight with Cobra at the base is for real. And Flint orders Ace and his Sky Striker squadron to douse Cobra's lights. Trouble bubbles crash to the ground as they are shot down by the dragonflies, and one of the flight pods explodes near Alpine's Striker and knocks him onto the ground. The Joes slowly push back uh, Cobra's forces, however... The price in equipment and men is high. Flint note, uh, notes Flint, who escapes from his armadillo moments before it's destroyed by a fl- uh, flight pod. Uh, Scarlet attempts to stop the Pit Viper with four missiles from a Sky Striker, but the weapon continues to advance. She jumps out of the plane moments before it's crushed, and Breaker runs up to her and explains that maybe they don't want to stop it. the unstoppable weapon. He fires a shot at the door on the uh, pit viper, and Scarlet tells him, Breaker, you're one clever devil, and then runs uh, along the side of the pit viper and climbs inside. Uh, skip ahead since we kind of covered some of that. But the base uh, begins to fall apart, and the pit viper dra- uh, drives up through the base and straight up into the air <laughs> at the foot of the door, which is what you're talking about. For the door, Breaker yells uh, to Scarlet, jump or kiss tomorrow goodbye and the Joe's parachute to the ground 
As the Pit Viper falls back towards the base, explosions rip the base apart, and Lady J looks up and sees her friends safely parachuting to the ground. Don't look now, Breaker happily tells his teammates, but we won. Cobra Commander, who is extremely irate uh, that he lost the battle, and the Pit Viper uh, grabs a chair and smashes the screen. I just totally thought of uh, Kylo Ren with this. Uh, when this happened. <laughs> yeah, I see that. <laughs> uh, Destro tells Cobra Commander that half the Joe's uh, base was destroyed and suggests that he look at the bright side, but Cobra Commander is agitated by the suggestion and throws the chair at Destro, which I got a good laugh at that. Uh, while Destro grabs Cobra Commander by his jacket and Cobra Commander declares Destro's actions traitorous, Shipwreck unties the ropes around his hands, whispers his goodbyes, and tells Cobra that it's been giggles. Uh, Amid the wreckage at the Joe base, Colonel Sharp apologizes to the Joes and explains that Dr. Hamler, who had impeccable credentials, completely sold the Pentagon staff on the Watchdog Project. Flint tells Colonel Sharp that the Pentagon should should have researched Dr. Hamler's history a little bit more since the real Hamler died in 1978. Shipwreck then jokes with Colonel Sharp that if the brass at the Pentagon want to buy the Joes a Watchdog, they should make it a Cocker Spaniel. And I remember at the end of that really, really bad joke... Shipwreck had the dumbest, like, type look on his face, <laughs> plus noise. Like, he had the noise and everything that went with it. <laughs> right? Didn't he? I remember the look. I just was like, okay. <laughs> I just chalked it up with another imagine- animation issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, <sighs> what the hell? It was so... It was so weird. It was such a weird ending to that. So, but... Yeah. But, um, but overall, I thought it was actually a pretty good episode. Um, it's not one that I really remember a, a whole lot at all, but like, I don't remember it at all. Yeah, but I thought it was a, actually a pretty solid episode. Um, like I said, my only issue with it was the giant drill, but that again is another 1980s trope. Like that was done in a, a lot of things. I remember when I first saw the drill. I'm like, is he going to try and like? create a volcano or something and blow something up. I was like, I was kind of pleasantly surprised that that was not the case. Yeah. Yeah. But if they could build one of those, why couldn't they build a whole bunch of them? Right. Maybe it was going to be the start yeah. of all of them. So I, I don't know. you know how Cobra commander is impatient. So I guess. So, so, uh, how would you rate this one? Uh, I'd probably give it a three. Um, okay. it's not the drill part of it is awful. Yeah. The rest of it, I think is a pretty solid idea. Yeah, and I think that's why I would give that one an ace. I would give it a four out of five because I really liked everything that went into it. Like, I liked how they tricked the Pentagon into paying for this computer system that was really giving them a wild boost trace. It was like there was actually strategy involved in this of like spreading the Joes thin so that the base was kind of left open uh, for attack and everything else, shutting down their communications, things like that. The drill was the only thing that was, I was like, Come on, and the drill never stayed consistent with its size. Like sometimes it was giant, and sometimes it was small. <laughs> like it just to me, it seemed like it kept changing size depending on what it had to take down. There was one point where it was like the size of like it towered over a bunch of sky strikers. It was just enormous. Um, but uh, but like I said, overall, I thought it was like a good plot. I thought it was a good story. If they took the drill out, I probably would have given this a five. But uh, but just that drill was the thing that kind of took me out of it. So I, I think if they had, what they should have done is rather than have the drill part of it, I mean, you've got the Joes spread out all over the place, and there's almost nobody left at the base, and you want to destroy that base? Mass yeah. attack. Yeah. 
that's what I'm saying. Like way you, cooler to see. You could have just taken the stupid drill that's going in and out of the ground. Driving absolutely. Stuff and, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they took the drill out of it, you still could have had like a, a big attack on the base, and it could have still been a big issue, and it could have still been a big problem. And like you said, it would have been a really cool battle that happened. Um, and how do they resolve that and everything else? And uh, I, like I said, I think then it would have been like a pretty perfect GI Joe episode if you just took that drill out of it. You still would have all the elements there that you needed for to tell that story. So, yarp. So, so that is it um, for these episodes. Actually, a pretty good, solid group of episodes. Like there wasn't really a dud in any of them. So, which I'm happy to see. So. Um, I'm, I, I didn't look ahead to see what's coming out at later, so I'm sure there's probably going to be some duds coming up. Oh, I, I, I saw the list because I, I watched these. I have the, uh, they had that DVD, um, yes. like Foot Locker box set came out a bunch of years ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this, uh, this episode was the first one on disc, I think 11. Okay. Uh, so there's like six episodes per disc or something. So I saw the list, but I, I didn't. I don't remember off the top of my head what's there. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I guess I could probably grab it real quick and look at it. But yeah. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll be back in uh, a little bit later this year. I w- it will be. I'm hoping it'll be like this summer. Uh, we'll come back and do three more episodes, maybe four episodes, but probably three episodes. Because um, like I said, we have seven left to do for this season. Um, so I'd like one of the episodes maybe to be, do three of them, and another episode be four of them. So um, and get them done this year so uh definitely will not be another two years or almost three years since having done one so is arise serpentor arise the beginning of season two i believe so okay yeah that seems to make the most sense because i think it was a week-long thing yeah yeah um well at least when it was airing it was a week-long thing. right which i love that miniseries i don't know if it still holds up in that today like it did when i was a kid but i know i watched that one quite a few times in reruns. yeah i feel like that one got shown a lot yeah it did Um, so i mean maybe it just depended upon where you lived and what was being shown to people yeah um but yeah so we'll we'll get through this season this year and then we'll see if we'll just continue with joe or if we'll try a different property for a little while um all I know is when it gets to the Dick Deke stuff, I'm out. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll probably <laughs> still cover bad. it at some point, but um, but like I'm thinking, like you know, my Masters of the Universe might be kind of fun. The Filmation ones for a little while, uh, or even covering Transformers or something like that might be good. Um, just to have something different. But I also know people love the Joe episode, so so we'll see. Maybe we'll do a, like a little vote type thing to see what people would like to see next uh, when it comes to the animated ones. But like I said, this year I want to finish the animated ones for the first season of Joe. So uh, with that, yes, <laughs> with that, uh, we'll go ahead and close the episode. Uh, Eric, where can they find you hanging about and lurking about? Nowhere. <laughs> I have Twitter, but I literally don't think I've been on it in yeah. probably a year. So basically kind of wandering around Facebook. Yeah. You're in the Star Joe's group. Uh, yeah, Star Joe's group. That's really yeah. about it. Otherwise, yeah. if yeah. I don't know you, I don't really accept fan requests. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, if you, but if you interact on in the Star Joe's group and get talking, like that's how I, I'll start accepting friend requests is when I start recognizing someone's name and I've had conversations with them online and everything else. And I'm like, okay, you're someone I feel comfortable connecting with. So it's, it's guys like, you know, Longman and 
Yeah. And there, there's a couple other names in there that, you know, I've gotten to know via the group that right. I actually generally like outside of it. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but with that, uh, you can find everything at starjoes.com. Uh, there's, there's a Facebook group. There's a fan group. The Facebook group, if you ask to be part of it, I will approve it as soon as I see it. Um, there's uh, Instagram. There's Twitter. Uh, there's a YouTube channel, which I am trying to get more consistent with putting videos out. I uh, should have uh, probably one out not too long after this episode comes out. So, But with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. See ya. See ya.